Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders, managers become product masters, which is also the new name of this podcast. I've been telling everyone this for a little while. We're getting very close to making that name change, and it's going to be Product Masters Now. You don't need to do anything to keep listening, but it's going to show up differently in your podcast player, not as the everyday innovator, but if they're listed alphabetically down by the P's as Product Masters Now. The logo will look the same, just the name is changing. Now, for this episode, we're going to talk about the shifting role of being a product manager and how you can position yourself for future success if you know how the role is shifting. Our guest has some unique insights about this as he is the founder of Product School, a large community of product managers. His name is Carlos Gonzalez de Villambrosia, and he's here to show the shifts that are emerging and how you can prepare for them. And remember, if there's anything that Carlos talks about that you want to go back to or share with a friend, we make it really easy for you. You'll find all the detailed show notes written up for you at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 326. At the same place is also a one-page action guide to help you put into action immediately the concepts that you hear. Now, let's talk with Carlos. Carlos, thank you so much for joining the Everyday Innovators. Thanks for having me. Glad you are here. You have been well-known in the product management community for some time now because of this little thing called product school. And because before that, you were an instructor at General Assembly. I'm just kind of curious about that path. How did you founding product school come about? Definitely. Well, product school was was a little thing seven years ago when I started. Now we grew quite a bit. We are the largest community in product management with over 1 million product members around the world. The reason why I started was very simple. It's a solution to my own problem. I wish I had had school like this when I was getting started. So I come from an engineering background, studied computer science, but I soon realized that I didn't want to spend the rest of my life coding. However, I wanted to leverage my technical background in a different way, although I didn't know how. So my alternative solution back in the day was to go to business school. I came to the University of California in Berkeley, but then I realized that business school wasn't really optimized for for what I wanted to do, which, which was building digital products. It was too high level. So after many years, not just in school, but also at work, working in technology, I realized that I wanted to build a school that is right in between engineering and business that gets best of both worlds. And that's how I came up with Product School. And this school has grown a great deal. And that gives you the opportunity to talk to many product managers and product leaders and kind of see th- where things are going. And I want to spend our time engaging with you on that, right? Just kind of what you've seen, your reflections on product management, maybe how that has evolved the last few years, and get an idea for where things are going to. Let's kind of start with what's happened in the last year or two. Obviously, 2020 brought us lots of changes in the world and that impacted product management. But what are some of the big shifts that you have seen in the last year or two in product management? Yeah, that's a great question because this field keeps evolving. Even when I started like seven years ago, this wasn't that, that mainstream. A lot of people would ask me, what is product management? Is this project management? Do I need an MBA? Do I need to code? You know, now I think there's much more common understanding around the, the industry. We've seen many companies have a chief product officer that doesn't report to a chief marketing officer or a chief technology officer. It's a dedicated function with direct report to CEO. So all of that definitely helps. But especially during the last two years, this has boomed. We see more and more companies hiring for product managers, even companies that are downsizing because of 
COVID or other reasons, they're still hiring product managers because they want to make their products digital. They want to sell online. Their companies are working remotely, so they need to be more efficient with how they collaborate. It's, it's definitely changing the way, the way just technology works, but not just for technology companies. We see that now product managers are working in finance, in insurance, in healthcare. This is not just a Silicon Valley thing for high-tech companies anymore. Yeah, it seems like it's impacting all the industries. I, I had the great pleasure of working with a company last year called Haas, and I forget the, actually their full name, but Haas is, is the key brand. They're the largest uh, growers of hops for beer, and it's the first time I've worked with a food company, and I just I enjoyed that so much, right? The applying product management in a different, different discipline for me, at least, coming from more of a software technology background. So it is, as you said, in many different kinds of, of industries and disciplines. What are you seeing in terms of, of kind of the influence or, or we might think of, you know, the power that, that product people have in organizations now? Well, the, the power dynamic is definitely changing. I, from, I, coming from an engineering background, engineers used to have uh, a little bit more power just because there wasn't anybody in the middle. Like engineers would code someone, maybe designers would design, and then somehow, you know, we ship it. Uh, uh, good luck. Now we definitely have someone in the middle who tries to connect the dots between engineering, design, marketing, and those product managers are actually the ones deciding what's next, mm -hmm. creating the roadmaps and the vision for the companies. One of the things that is really helping make product managers feel more empowered is that a lot of CEOs are coming from a product background, and that ultimately sets up the culture, the product culture for the organization. Examples of that could be CEO of Airbnb, the CEO of Dropbox, obviously the CEO of Google, the CEO of Microsoft. They were all product managers before. It gives a lot of credibility to the role, right? And I'd love to get your reflections on how you see just the role being so cross-functional. I often think of product management as being really the best place for senior leaders to come from because of that nature that it's cross-functional. I don't know where else I can go in an organization that one person knows a, as much about what's going on and uh, the different functions and also about the customer. How, how have you encountered that? That's why I agree. And that's why I think there was a lot of discussion around, is the product manager a mini CEO or not? My take on this is it doesn't really matter what type of label you want to put, but the reality is that you are definitely going to be a generalist. You are not coding, designing, selling. You are in between of it all. And you try to connect all the dots and help everyone get on the same page so that we can all have a common vision. Mm -hmm. In a way, that's very similar to what CEOs do. So I've seen a clear path. I've seen a lot of product managers who become CEOs the same way I've seen many startup founders and CEOs who eventually become product leaders at larger organizations. It's just a great place to learn so much about the organization and how things work. It also means we, we kind of need to build some trust among people, right, to ha have that the influence that we need to be successful. Do you have any tips for, you know, if a product manager is coming from a marketing background, then they probably can relate to marketing pretty well. Or if they're coming from an engineering background, they can probably relate to that pretty well. But they kind of sit in the middle of all the functions. A any tips or suggestions for being more effective with those different functions? Definitely. And, and in a way, that's what we do at Product School. We work with professionals who have experience in some of the areas that you described, and they just want to move towards the middle. They need help with that final push. And one of the things that we tell them is, let's say as an example, you mentioned a marketer. You have four years of experience working in marketing. Spending an extra year in marketing is not going to make you a better product manager. I would much rather use that extra year 
to learn things such as design or engineering, mm. even if you're not going to be the best at them, they're just going to give you a general understanding so you can better connect with the different stakeholders. And I think that is the, the critical piece for anyone who wants to become a, a generalist. First of all, this is not for everybody, and that's fine. But if you truly think that this is for you, then somehow you need to start letting go some of the things that you are absolutely good at and try to pick up others so you can be a little more complete, like a, like a triathlete instead of a sprinter. Right. A little more well-rounded. I often think of the T-shaped person for this, right? The, in the, when we talk about T-shaped people, it's that very broad base of understanding of a number of disciplines. And then often we're deep in one area, right? That we bring that kind of deepness to the, to the table. How, I'm wondering about just going a little bit deeper in this as well, about what do you see then as the key capabilities a well-rounded product manager should have under their belt, right? And they come, as we've said, from all kinds of areas. I encounter most from marketing or engineering, but I, I found them from customer service roles, right? I found lawyers that have made the move. You know, it's really broad. But what do you think is that set of capabilities that really makes a well-rounded product manager? I love this question because I think there are a lot of misconceptions around it. Even when I started product school, a lot of people would think, even come to us saying, hey, do I need to be a software engineer? Do I really need to go back to computer science to then become a product manager? Or do I need an MBA? And, and my answers to both is no. Obviously, I, there are great PMs who come from an engine background, the same way there are great PMs who come from an MBA, but you definitely, those are not requirements. And I like your examples about lawyers. We actually had students who came from a law background, ops, customer success, marketing, design, even people from outside of tech. We had this industrial engineer who had experience working with architects, building buildings. And then she realized that there was a huge parallel between working with professionals in the real world, building something physical, and now in the digital world, building websites or mobile apps. So it comes down to three things that we've analyzed just based on data from our graduates. We've graduated over 10,000 students at this point. One is technical acumen. The other one is industry or business acumen. And the third one is communication skills. I'm going to break this down a little bit more. Technical acumen doesn't mean you have to be an engineer, as I just mentioned, but you are going to be working with engineers. So you need to speak tech. You need to feel comfortable working with your engineers. You need to earn the respect, especially if you don't come from that type of background. Obviously, there are certain companies that are more technical than others, in which case, the, the bar might be higher. The, the second point is what I call industry domain or business acumen. Here, it's not about having an MBA. It's really about understanding your customer, understanding your market, your competition, how your product works. And I, I know that not all the, you cannot be the, the customer of your own product, especially if you work in B2B, but definitely you have to be very passionate and really understand the problem that you're trying to tackle. And then the third piece is uh, communication skills. And for this one, you don't need to be a book author or a professional public speaker, but you definitely need to feel comfortable communicating with all the different stakeholders, not just in big stages, giving presentations, over email, over voice, over chat. You need to be there for your team. You need to try to empty your calendar a little bit more, try to be less of a specialist mm -hmm. and more of a su supporter or a coach for others. I wonder about us being a little bit vulnerable on the communication part right now, because I'd love to get your story a little bit. And my aspect of this is I was in speech therapy from first grade to fifth grade, and I still stumble on words uh, frequently, right? I'm trying to get the right word out and the right pronunciation of words. And I'm curious just about how you got comfortable being a communicator, too, because I, you know, I've watched some of your videos, I've, I've seen you in speaking places, and, and you communicate very well. You're also a non 
native English speaker, and I imagine there were some real challenges for this for you along the way. What, what, what was your journey like on becoming a more effective communicator? It wasn't easy. I, as you said, I'm a non-English native speaker. I still make a lot of mistakes when speaking. I, I come from Spain. I'm an immigrant. I, I have a lot of baggage that it, it was, and I've always had global ambitions. Our team is global. We all have team members in, in Europe, Latin America, North America, and it, culture and communication has been critical for me. And I think just because I had nothing to lose and I had no experience at all, I just had to push myself to practice, practice, mm. practice. There is no book that I could say, oh, I just read this book and I became an amazing speaker. I think just by putting myself in that position so many times and try to feel more comfortable and knowing that it's okay to not be okay. You know, like people don't want me to fail and that learning, it's a, it's a process. I still don't claim to have figured it out, but I definitely feel more comfortable and I try to encourage other people on my team to go for it, even if, they might not be English native speakers or professional communicators. Yeah, and it takes practice. And like you said, you have to put yourself out there and do it and try it. And one thing I think that helps all of us and that I've noticed as I've watched you speaking at different times too, is smiling goes a long ways, right? It's just smiling kind of just arms people and they give you the benefit of the doubt. And a characteristic of product managers that I think is very powerful for us is curiosity. And being curious as we're talking with others and as we're sharing information also, in some way, makes us more approachable and more effective, I think, too. I can't agree more. And this is a podcast and I'm using my hands, you know, and I'm smiling. It's part of my <laughs> communication style. And I think it's really important to try to communicate without words as well. Well-rounded product manager, technical, some technical skills, primarily related to being able to speak the language of those that you're working with, the, the business acumen as well, and understanding how your business works, what, how the market works, insights about your customers for sure. And then the communication, because we have to share our ideas, gain influence with others, and be able to communicate effectively. And I always go back to being curious with customers, right? Communicating with customers and learning more about their needs. So that's very helpful for us. And you did mention that this is company dependent. And so someone should do their homework if they're going to interview for, say, Google versus Amazon versus a food company, you know, kind of what is important to them, because they tend to emphasize one or more of those aspects. I love the insights that Carlos is sharing with us. I want to comment on something that I don't expect to be changing for product managers, the need to improve their performance and the performance of their product teams because timelines are decreasing as competitors respond more quickly. And that's why I created the Rapid Product Mastery Experience, the RPM Experience. This is a nine-week journey meeting virtually for 75 minutes a week. I take groups of product managers and organizations on this journey, building a broad foundation of product management knowledge getting everyone on the same page, while also improving collaboration and renewing a focus on the customer. Product managers feel empowered and more confident about their work and how they create value for those customers and also for their organization. Many organizations have already benefited from the RPM experience, and you'll find them listed at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. Also, the RPM experience just got better. I've updated 100% of the experience. Now is the perfect time to find out if the all-new RPM experience can help you and your team. Check it out at theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. And let's talk to understand if it will help you. Now, let's hear what other insights Carlos has for us. 
Okay, so that's a little bit about where things have been a bit and kind of a good foundation for us about product management. What about going forward? So what what have you been gaining uh, insights from your community to kind of see where things might be shifting in the future for us? So we just released a report called The Future of Product Management. This is our second edition, and it's really helpful for us to know where the industry is, is moving and there are, I, I can give you a quick preview. It's, it's a free report that anyone can download from our website. But one, one thing is uh, how data-driven our, our role is becoming. Product management used to be more of an art than a science. And now it's definitely moving more towards the science piece. It's still not an either-or type of answer, but definitely you cannot get away just with having strong vision and being a great communicator. You also need to look at numbers and, and, and hear, listen to your users. So that's number one. Another trend that it's happening is that there's much more technology for PMs. Back in the day, we used to piggyback on PowerPoints or Photoshop or whatever tools out there that weren't really built for PMs. They were for designers, marketers, or, or other groups. Now you, you can see tools that are about building roadmaps, tools for running user interviews, for running product analytics, not just any type of analysis for data for data scientists. And that is really helping us just have more, more power. And these tools are more and more visual, which is great because now they don't require very strong technical expertise. You don't need to be a data scientist or a PhD in order to create a nice visual report, you know? So having the technology that is supporting us and now knowing that this is more about data and smaller iterations rather than big swings and ideas, it's making us also earn the respect of other groups. Because before it was like, okay, why do I need this business folk telling me what to do if they don't know how to do it, right? Now, you don't need to have all the answers. You now have the tools to try to get to the truth faster with your team. And because you are doing it in a visual way, you can involve all your engineers and designers and marketers in the process, which is something that I used to struggle with as an engineer. I would hate when someone would come to me and throw me the, the list of tasks to code, assuming that, oh, you're an engineer. You, you're not supposed to have ideas. You're not supposed to understand how we make money here. Now this is becoming more of a team sport. So when we think about the product team, it's not product managers. It includes all the engineers, designers, marketers, and anyone who has somehow involved with product, including student customer success. Yeah, good insights there. The move from a little bit less art, more science, right? I think the the art aspect is still important and that we can get great insights from just talking to a few customers, right? And and we should worry about not talking to enough that we can get really good insights. But we are seeing m many more data-driven decisions. And one thing that popped up last year for me was a couple of people talking about how uh, data scientists have been added to their product teams. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting that it's not just a capability in the company, but they're actually a part of the product team to help analyze product data and you know, make decisions on what features, what to do next. I find it fascinating. And I think that it's making the, the role even earn more respect because the more people are part of the product team, that means that as a product manager, the more you need to learn about how they work. Mm -hmm. You obviously can't be the best at anything, but you need to be good enough so now you can also connect with your data team, for example. Yeah, it's a good point. It's just like some of us have to learn how to talk to engineers and be able to influence them. And now if we're talking to, as in this example, a data scientist. We also have to know how to you know, help them do their job successfully. That actually helps the product team as well. What information do they need? What guidance do they need? And, and these are new things to learn every time we're engaging in a, a new function. 
So, okay. Any other highlights you want to share there from the future of product management report? I'll, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes so people can find that easy on your website. Yeah. So a few more things. One is the uh, pandemic outbreak has accelerated roadmaps dramatically. So even though, as I said, sometimes companies might be reducing their headcount, they're still hiring more product managers. As some traditional companies that might not be in high tech, they are now investing more heavily into digital transformation. So in general, there is more opportunity for people who want to learn or grow in product management. So this field is not diminishing in any way of the product manager. And you mentioned project management a while ago, right? And there was that time in Google's history where, and I forget which CEO it was at the time, right? But that they decided to get rid of all the project managers, that the engineers can, can do this work themselves. And they did that. And what happens? The engineers are asking for the project managers to come back because they actually you know, did a lot of, they helped them quite a bit. And I think similarly, product managers who if we are responsible for understanding the customer's problem deeply, we bring insights then to the product team to get the right product built for them. And we're really helping in a very important way to steer where our future revenue as an organization comes from, right? It is kind of this weighty role in the sense that uh, we are big revenue levers for the organization. Yes, I remember when someone said, oh, your company's project school, I almost die. In that moment, right. because I have nothing against project managers. I actually think it's really important. I see project management as a part of product management. Project yeah, it's a set is more, of tools for us. Exactly. It's more tactical. It's more about making sure that you are executing according to plan based on the resources, time, quality, cost, whatever it is. For me, product management is, is more strategic. It is project management plus understanding the vision for the companies, connecting the dots beyond even the product team. Yeah, exactly. You know, th that was my path to product management. It was from engineering to managing software teams. So I learned a lot about project management. And there were still some things that we were struggling with, right? And that, that caused me to look around. And I discovered, you know, 10 years after doing project management, that there was a discipline called product management that had some new tools and new concepts and processes for me. That was really, really helpful. So, and I think that's, I still encounter people like that, right? Even though product management has become a, a more well-known discipline, there's a lot of people doing the work that they're, they're just not associated with that term, right? Or, or that body of knowledge. That's a great point. Uh, we have a lot of project managers, technical program managers, business analysts, scrum masters, and roles of that nature that come to us saying, I want to become a product manager. I'm almost there. And then if you analyze what they've been doing, actually, they've been doing a lot of product mm -hmm. management stuff without the title. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that point up because it, that, that's some of my most enjoyable conversations I get to have with people that they say, well, I really, I'm, I've been listening to your podcast. I'm interested in becoming a product manager. You know, can you, can you help me with some insights how to make that happen? And we'll talk about their experience. And a few times they've been doing product marketing and we talk about what they do. It's like, you can just start to calling yourself a product manager, right? The you're just you're engaging where the product is coming, is launching and going to market. This is what product managers do, right? And it's just sometimes just a matter of reframing the work that you are doing. And there's so much overlap between these different disciplines. It's it's easier to make the migration than a lot of people think. I agree. And I think it starts, as you said, believing in yourself, right? You are you are not your company title. You are who you want to be. And if your company doesn't want to give you that title, that doesn't mean that you cannot build products. You can help your product team. You can build something on your on the side for yourself, a website. You can participate in a hackathon. You can do whatever you want. And I think 
now there's access to education, access to mentors, access to tools, and a lot of that is actually free. Yeah. It's more about your commitment to make it happen. Yeah, a lot of good resources. So like the, the some of the online events that you do and this podcast as well, lots of things we can get our hands around that are helpful. So, okay, excellent. And thinking about the future then of product management and where things are going, what are some things that product managers should be doing now, maybe investigating, learning about experiences that should, they should be trying to gain to help prepare for, for what's coming next? Yes, so I think still design is it's very underrated. We talk a lot about technical people or business people breaking into product. I don't think we talk enough about designers and how important design is into the role, not just for B2C, but definitely for B2B. So at the end of the day, it's all customers. So again, I don't mean that you have to be a professional designer, but you definitely have to develop an eye for design and understand how it works. Thank enough. Thank God there are so many tools these days that allow PMs to be even more self-sufficient and, and create wireframes and even prototypes. But even before the tools, I think it's more about getting into the mindset and understanding that design is not just adding colors at the end. It's really putting the user in the middle and, and trying to solve a problem for them based on some data and some qualitative information. Good. Okay. So design is a, a key part of that. And we've seen UX people join product teams in the last few years. And thankfully we have some experts to may, maybe help us, but having that design eye. And we, we talked about the, the, the move to science a little bit more than just art, right? And so a lot of us have been getting more familiar with kind of data-driven decision-making. Any tips on that to just get you know more acquainted with that, kind of prepare for where things are going? Yes. So now... We all agree that we don't have the answer. And I think it's important to understand that part. As a product manager, you're not hired to bring ideas or to bring answers. You're, you're hired to bring questions. And at the end of the day, you have to make a decision based on the information that you have. And that decision can change. That's what we call the agile environment. So you come here to try to understand where this is going, try to place some bets, move forward a little bit, reassess the whole situation and place the next bet. That's mm -hmm. what I meant by becoming more of a science than an art. But at the end of the day, there's also a gut feeling and certain intuition that you can develop with experience. So the key, I think, is, is, to, is to find the right balance between both. Yeah, I think one answer for that for me, and me personally, is to try to find someone to partner with that brings the other perspective. I think in general, my intuition is very good when it comes to product work, right? And if I spend time with customers and I can drill into understanding their needs better, I have a lot of confidence in my intuition. But if I was partnered up with someone who really was more data-driven and they could be looking at it from a different perspective, I think we'd be a much stronger team. So I don't want to negate in any way my strength that might be considered more art. And I can I can certainly do something to learn more about data-driven decision-making. But if I can find someone to help me with that, that is their strength, I, I think then we make a better combination. I agree. I also, you know, A-B testing is a, a very popular technique, mm -hmm. but I think we have to be careful with that. I, I know people who are like, let's A-B test that. Well, you, you cannot spend your whole life A-B testing every single thing. First of all, there are different techniques. Second of all, we can also lose, we don't want to lose sight of the big picture. And, and it's important that at some point you have to make a bigger swing based on other data points, maybe conversations with your, with your customers, maybe market trends, maybe something that you cannot A-B test on your digital product. And I think you have to find that, that right balance. Obviously, the fact that now PMs can be more self-sufficient and can access data without being data scientists 
helps because at the end of the day, of course, you, you need a team for, for very complicated stuff. But the more you can do by yourself, the, the easier it is on your team. Because at the end of the day, your, your role here is to make it easier for others, not right. just to add more stuff to their plate. Yeah, that's a great way to think about product management, right? We're there to serve others and make it easier to get the product created to create value for the customer. And in a sense, we're kind of orchestrating then and hopefully not adding to people's plates, but providing clarity and direction. Okay, this is this is excellent. I appreciate some of the insights about just how product management has been changing as you've interacted with this very large community, things that you've been seeing, and then the future, too, of where this is going and look forward to people getting their hands on the future product management report. Like I said, we'll make the links in the show notes easy to find that. As listeners know, I love innovation quotes. I asked you to bring one to us. Uh, can you share that and tell us uh, just a little bit more about it? Yes. Well, this is my quote, actually. And mm -hmm. I like to say that there's never been a better time in history to build digital products. And this is because the world is moving online. More businesses are trying to offer their services or products online and more companies are now working remotely. And that means that we need more products, both in internally and externally, to make this whole process more efficient and the product managers sit at the front line. Yeah, it, when there's change taking place, and especially as that rate of change increases, there's a need for people that can navigate that and product managers are a part of that activity. And we're really good at, at seeing what is going on, what the needs are, how those needs are changing and how can we create more value for them. So love that. And no doubt we're coming through a period of great change right now. So I would expect product managers and innovators to have bigger roles as that is happening. And of course, how can people find out about this community we kind of mentioned in the beginning, the, the work that you're doing, the resources you have available for product managers? Easiest way is to check out our website, productschool.com. By the way, over 90% of our resources are absolutely free from 1,000 events a year. We have a podcast as well. We, we do six conferences, a, a job board, discussion forums, books, and the report, of course. All of that is available at your fingertips. And the people who contribute to our community, I, I need to give them a shout out because we have nothing without them. These are the product leaders that are working at Netflix, Facebook, Airbnb, Uber. They keep their full-time jobs. They are the real practitioners who are really shaping the industry. And they are giving, up, giving back to the community by contributing as speakers, instructors, or, or authors. Yeah, excellent. So the key place to go, productschool.com. Yes. And if you want to connect with me personally, I'm happy to do so. Yes. Connect with me on LinkedIn and I try to be uh, responsive. Very good. I will put the links to both of those in the show notes. Carlos, thank you so much for sharing the information about kind of, you know, the state of product management and where it's headed in the future. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you, Chad, for also building the future. This is very, very important for the community. Thanks again for listening to the podcast that is going to be called Product Masters Now. This is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products customers love. Find all of the details that Carlos shared with us at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 326. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit TheEverydayInnovator.com.